0: Yeah, okay.
1: Meow.
0: Meow. Meow. that. How you doing everybody, welcome to Righty's House on Ringer SC, hopefully you've had a a good week up to this point. We're going to be talking Premier League and the league table, a lot of football on at the moment, um, which is good and kind of, oh, is it too much? Ah, Don't say that. Giving flowers out to John Stones and Mr. Wayne Rooney. We're going to talk Barclays WSL and also we're going to have to talk about Mr. Mesut Ozil. And uh, my guest is going to be Rai Rai Goldshy
2: hunt
1: Quickly, I want to shout out my friend Jenny Wu yes, from Berlin who responded to my tweet that I just tweeted after the Arsenal-Newcastle yeah. game, just 10th. And she responded being like, back where we belong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what's really quite frustrating? And I'm not making this a little bit about the Premier League, what we're talking about, about Arsenal. But when you're happy about Arsenal now um, being 10th, like when we were 15th, and like i say, I'm looking into the abyss thinking, it's too big. It, the, the abyss is too big. When we're 10th now, it feels, it feels like massive progress because it's like, it's like the, the mentality of Fulham right now will be much better, who are in the bottom, bottom three, yeah. than the mentality of Newcastle, who are like, what, seven points in front of them. It's all yeah. about momentum. And context. And like, exactly. Yeah. Man City, mm. they've clicked into gear. Yeah,
1: they've they have. They've huh? clicked
0: into gear and it's ominous for everybody else. And if you're Liverpool... Um, United, everybody around will be saying, oh my gosh, they're doing this, all of this, without an out-and-out striker. They are so, they're so smooth. Mm. And the way they beat Palace, and we're talking, Palace came to Arsenal done the same, but we haven't got the quality, with all due respect, and the fluidity that City have, if we're going to be totally honest. Thomas Partey, I have to say, somebody that would probably elevate us, but City with De Bruyne, the way De Bruyne moves, the, that first goal, what he set up, the way they play, John Stones, Ruben Diaz, and with Fernandinho in there, it just looks, mm. apart from having the front man to finish everything off, they've literally got all their parts where they where they do their good stuff, Ryan. Yep. And that for me is quite frightening.
1: Yeah, and I think the thing about City as well is that I remember saying on Stadio at the beginning of the season, I think it was when they signed Ruben Diaz, that City seemed to have had a bit of a blind spot in terms of scouting centre-backs over the years Yeah, you know you look at some of the the money that they've spent on centre-backs that just haven't worked at all they've spent a lot of money Ruben Diaz and John Stones is now quietly forming a really solid centre-back partnership and you've noticed that because City haven't really been conceding many goals at all and also the way that they've kind of crept up on everyone it's been quite stealth Yeah, because everyone's been focused on some of the narratives that are going around in terms of the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer civil war that will never end you know Mourinho's brief flirting with potentially winning the league, which could still happen. You never know. This season's it's like I don't I don't want to self I don't self plug, but I wrote that piece with the Ringer before the season started or a couple of games into the season, just being like, this year's chaos. It's chaos, and it we ne- we don't know. And you're
0: seeing it all across Europe. There's something there's something that's strange about having to watch so much football and not being able to actually sit back and enjoy what's going on. Like I mentioned, like Villa. Like Villa, mm. four games. If they win the four games and all of a sudden Villa, who nearly got relegated last season, last season, can do a Leicester. You know what I mean? <laughs> I remember, <laughs>
1: man. Was it like Wright's House Wright's House Two or Wright's yeah. House What? I think it was the first episode. What do you say? You and Jeanette when you were just like, I'm getting a Leicester vibe. <laughs> I'm getting
0: a Leicester vibe. <laughs> and the thing is, is that I, I don't expect Villa to do it, but just being able to think. Just yeah. being able to, to think that Villa, if they win those games, one of those games is against a city, a resurgent city. I wouldn't say that they've ever been away, but one of those games are against city, but they can all of a sudden have a blast at, let's say, just, just Champions League. Yeah, you know, can you imagine Villa in the oh, Champions League? Yes, I can. Yes, I can because, and, and the thing with Villa is, is that if they go Champions League, that then really gets Jack Grealish's juices flowing. And it's a team, like I've mentioned, you want to play for. There's a vibe about Villa. There's a young swagger. Like I say, Villa are, and I mentioned it in one of the first podcasts, is it? Yeah. they are John Travolta, man. Walking down. Yeah, man. In fact, they're yeah, not even John good. Travolta walking down the street. They're actually on the dance floor. Can
1: you imagine floor. them lot just like strolling into Seville to play Sevilla <laughs> at the <laughs> exactly. Champions League? That's what
0: I'm you saying. Know, they're not walking down the street no more. They good. are now on the dance yeah. floor doing those moves on their own. The fact is, is that Villa are exciting. I think Leicester... You cannot not worry about Leicester. They've got the mentality. You know what I mean? Yes, there's a, a few of the players that are, are still there, not as many as was when they done it, but they have got the mentality to know what they need to do in mm. and around this stage of the season when they click back into 2015. You know, Tottenham, are, uh, you have to be afraid of Tottenham because at any stage, Tottenham can, with their players and this new steely kind of determination that they have, they can go on a the run. They can. They can. Yeah, they man. can win games. They can do that one nil. They do four or five of those if they have to.
1: As an Arsenal fan, I'm going to start referring to Tottenham as Steely Dam. <laughs> I was going to say to you though, because obviously you've been doing Match of the Day and you do the Premier League mm-hmm. stuff. The thing that's really, I'm really struggling with this season is the spread of the games.
0: How it works at Match of the Day. How it used to work without the um without the the way it is now you've got the two main games what you're watching because remember all the games start in and around the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've got the two main games and then you've got little televisions with all the other games. Now, I never watched football like I'm watching football now. You watch that game, it finishes. And you watch that game, it finishes. Then you watch that game, it finishes. Then you watch the last game. So four games, I never, ever, unless we are are talking about a Euros or a World Cup, will take football like that. And it's Mm. very, very difficult. I find it's very, very hard. As much as we're talking about the season as one of the most enjoyable in respects of the jostling for places, top and bottom, it's very, very difficult to actually sit back and take it in. It's quite overwhelming, isn't it? I think it is. It is for me because sometimes you're watching a game, Ryan. It's like when you read a book. You read a book, you go five pages and you think, I didn't take any of that in.
1: Yeah, but it's kind of like reading three books at the same time at the moment. Yes, you have having to yes. process so much stuff. And this is the thing I think I realised that my record for how many live games I watched in a weekend was like nine.
0: Oh, and you watched all of them?
1: Yeah, live. So I had some going simultaneously, some going individually. Mm-hmm. But it was because it was a massive weekend. It was like a big Bundesliga weekend. I think it was like last season, like El Grand Derby in Spain, all this kind of stuff. And it was like, you want to see what's going on. But now it kind of feels like it's that every weekend. Like that felt like a really heavy weekend to mm-hmm. watch football. But now it feels like every weekend is like that. And not just every weekend, actually, every day. It's
0: not meant to be like that. Can I say something, just looking at the league, because um, talking about the t- whatever happens, you know, Man United, we didn't mention Man United. I thought that was a brilliant result for them in the I end. Did. And and, and yeah. I also think, um, you know, ollie has got to get, he's got to get some, uh, just a bit of love. I'm not giving out flowers to Ollie yet. I think I've given him flowers at some stage, but I feel that what they've done, when you look at what they last year, this time, um, they were 30 points. They, they just lost to, to Liverpool and they were 30 points yeah. behind. And now three, that's progress. That's massive yeah, man. progress. Man United will be happier taking that point. But at the same time, we're still talking about Liverpool with two midfielders playing centre half and a forward line that's not firing. Yeah. And they're and still, still not the losing. Yeah. Still not losing. What's that? 68 without a loss at Anfield. It's,
1: it's an in- incredible, incredible achievement. I think this is the thing about Liverpool—they achieved such such a level over the last two years, really. Because I mean, even if in the li- in the year that they um, that they won the the Champions League, mm-hmm. they pushed City hard. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that sustaining that level over so- such a period, so, and then going into this kind of this time we're in now, like we've said with the variables and stuff. This may be something we'll touch on when we talk about Meza Özil later, mm. but it doesn't have to be either or extremes. Mm. No, like no, no, Sometimes, no. like, like this is the thing. I think some of us, and I think football discourse in general, as a huge generalization, because I know there are obviously nuances within there, but like it's never either end of the spectrum mm. all the time. No. Sometimes it can just be kind of dull. There doesn't have to be yeah. like you know things some, can sometimes just be. Okay, and I don't want that to be a massive mansplain, riceplain, whatever. But I just think that sometimes, sometimes things just aren't worth talking about in the, in the extremes that they're
0: talked talked about. Do you know I think, what I mean? And that's I cool. I think that's me, that, what you said there. That's that for me is perfect. In the extremes, it's being talked about. It doesn't have to be. No. Just before we move on, um, Leeds Wolves and I'd say Newcastle. Mm. If I'm their fans at the moment, I think I'm feeling a little bit nervy, mm. um, especially with, you look at, you look at Brighton, um, Burnley and Fulham, who are 16th, 17th and 18th, respectfully. And what I said earlier, right, about momentum and where you are in the league um, can be false in respects of how you are feeling right now. And Fulham, for me, will probably be feeling like they're in, the way they're playing, and how well they're doing, and in, in, in the way that Scott Park has now got them organised, they look like a real, they look like a problem, a danger. They're not, mm-hmm. they're not as easy to beat. They've got that Aguissa looks like mm-hmm. uh, Aguissa looks very, very good. Adamola Lookman, you know what I mean? He can create and cause problems. I like that Anthony Robinson, where he got sent off the other day. Ola Aena, um, he is somebody that again, you know, former Chelsea Academy player, really, really good player. So you've got players who are playing pretty well in the system what they're playing and they will feel like they can get out of that. They do need to nick some more goals but I worry when Wolves, Newcastle and I think Leeds need to start to get back to the to the Leeds that started the season where they had a little bit more yeah okay we concede a couple but we've got chess hmm. man. They seem like they've lost the chess but they're still conceding. I think Leeds will stay up the season for example. I don't think Leeds will go down at all.
1: There are at least six teams in the Premier League that are worse than them I think. What about Newcastle? I worry about Newcastle because I just worry that, you know, when um, you get this kind of, this swirl, it's like, being, it's like being trapped in the middle of the ocean sometimes. Mm, you're like, how you am just, I going to get out yeah, of this?
0: Can't, you can't control it. Can I just say, with John Stones as well, it's something that I've been thinking about it's while you're watching him. And from the time he's let, he went from Barnsley Ever- and Everton to City, I don't think he went two games consistently without making some form of mistake. Mm. Something that, for some reason, people constantly picked up on. Even when he was having the most amazing game, he'll do something, and that's what the headlines would be. Mm. And I'm giving him flowers here simply because people say, yeah, well, it's because there's no fans there. I've heard that from so many people. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not going to totally dismiss that, simply because it must be tough for someone like John Stones. And I've seen players in the dressing room, you could see them visibly, not shaking, but afraid. Once they go out there, they know that the fans are expecting something. And then with John Stones, on many occasions, it, it happened. Mm. But without the fans there, it's almost like giving him the opportunity to come back, sort out his personal life as well, with everything that was going on in there, and be able to play without those moans and groans of things what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And so, do yeah, you understand what I'm saying? It's, yeah, totally. It's like people say, oh, what are you saying? That John Stones he's only playing well because the fans are not there. No, I'm not saying that he's playing well because the fans are not there, but the fans not being there has helped him get through a, a, a phase in his career, which with the emergence of Laporte coming in and everybody thinking he's going to come in and he's going to be the one, because when he was injured not long ago, Laporte, everyone was saying, yeah, when Laporte comes back, he's kept him out of the side, mm. right? He's kept him out of the side and deservedly so. But yeah, there, was talk, there was talk, Ryan, about, him maybe moving on. I've, I've seen mm. stuff maybe in back to Everton. Mm. Now him going into the team now without the pressure of fans digging out every single mistake is now, he's got now a, a, a body of work which he can now fall on and say, yeah, I'm confident with how I'm going to play. This is how I'm going to play now.
1: Yeah, I don't even think it's like a negative thing from the fans. I think it's like, it's like a band rehearsing, basically. Scene. Yes. I like that. They want to get it right before the fans are back, and I think that yeah. the, I think that I, I I would I would say that because I know that how a lot of fans will want to take that, and I think that there's like as a footballer you want to perform for the fans, and mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessary that the fans it, or it's not fear of criticism from the fans. I think I think it will just be the concern of wanting to perform for them, mm-hmm. and and so I think that for for John Stones, it's this has been really perfect because like i think actually a lot of the emergence of the arsenal players and a yeah. number of other players throughout the league like a number of young players who have come through who've been given time and space to kind of settle in mm. without the pressure of hearing because that will that they're human beings Perfect. man it's like yeah. but also i think what you touched on as well like the personal stuff i think that i think a lot of us forget how how much what is going on in in our lives can yeah. affect or in their lives can affect footballers and i think that any or any athlete even though they're multi-millionaires, it's like people still go through shit. Absolutely,
0: Absolutely.
1: and I think that we sometimes under do appreciate take how money. difficult that can be. Yeah.
0: Because, like for instance, right? You see, with John Stones, without the fans being there, you know, a player's closing him down, or a ball's going to be closing down, then you can hear fans going, "Oh, that has yeah. an effect." Yeah, 100%. that has an effect. And now, yeah. that's not in there for that to happen. So, what will happen now is that his brain and everything was happening with John Stones. and I hope I explained it explained it okay for people to understand what I'm trying to say about he's almost getting a reprieve to get himself back to where he was I'd say in his early days at Everton where he wasn't making those mistakes and people Mm -hmm. weren't highlighting them I think he's now built a foundation for himself where it doesn't matter now once they come back I genuinely will put put a mark down that John Stones' form will continue I'm really pleased for him and and I'll stick by that because there's I think there's a lot of players and when you just look at the way the league is there's a lot of players that are probably benefiting from it and its I don't think it's mm-hmm. going to be a bad thing
2: This episode is brought to you by State Farm
0: The Chelsea Man United game was, uh, was a fascinating game. A and game. I think that, I thought, can I just say quickly on Laure- like Lauren James's goal oh and when she picked that up? And- because you know, the way Casey Stoney is easing her in is it's is, is like how we talk about how Klopp e- is, is easing in um, Curtis Jones. Mm-hmm. You're seeing with Lauren James the same kind of thing. Every time I see her now, She does something. That she does. It was absolutely fantastic football.
1: Right. Do you remember that time on here where I said, um, Telemans looks like he's playing like he's whistling. (laughs) Lauren James. Lauren James is like, she's so calm.
0: Yeah. When she came off, turned, then flicked it with that right, the outside right foot. But the Ella Toons touch back into her was brilliant. But mm. you, know, you, you know what I would say about that? When you consider how the emergence of Manchester United, we're, we're talking about a Chelsea side. That Man United are strong and the way mm-hmm. they're playing. And we'll talk about Arsenal in a sec, but like Man United are strong, but Chelsea are just stronger. Even though
1: it was defeat for Manchester United, mm-hmm. I think this game signifies how good they are.
0: I know. Did you, see, did you see Casey Stone's tweet? It said everything. It says always learning, but it's a hand, someone holding a little hand and it says the best way, the best way of teaching is learning together. Right? And I think that what that says to me about the Man United team is you should go in that dressing room against a Chelsea side that is, they're just a little bit further up the line, mm. the Man United, but learning oh, yeah. from what they're capable of doing, learning from someone like Emma Hayes, who's what, she's what, nine years in? And she's one of the dons. One of, she is. She's one of the dons. And Casey Stoney, you, f- you almost feel to yourself, even if they won this game, Casey Stoney probably sits them down and tells them about... Chelsea and the levels that Chelsea are at, because Chelsea, like I say, even their second goal, Chelsea, Chelsea will just go, they'll just go long, they'll pass it through, you or they'll just go bam, they'll just completely bypass everything for the, like for the second goal and just finish it. When you look at their bench, you know yeah. Beth it's England, England. Guro Wright and Jess Fleming, Neem Charles on the bench, Sophie Ingle on the Sorry, bench, yeah. it's
1: just they are so stacked. I, and weirdly, I know this is a it's a this is a very easy thing to say now, but I actually think. For the long-term development of this Manchester United squad, I think this is probably not a bad thing, losing this game.
0: No, 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 it's a good thing. Mean, bear bit. in mind,
1: it's their first defeat of the season. Yeah. It's the first defeat of the league season and they have overcome sides that they probably wouldn't have expected to this, this early, well, in only their second season in the, w, in the Barclays WSL. I mean, the game itself, I think it was a weird one because I think that the result kind of didn't reflect how many chances Chelsea wasted. Mm. Chelsea really could have been out of sight by half-time. Yeah. I think if anything is going to stop Chelsea now, because bear in mind they they're level on points for Manchester United at the top, they're, they're ahead on goal difference. They've got mm. a game in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, Manchester City also have a game in hand and could go third if they win that. Oh. And, and Emma Hayes actually mentioned it after the game about, the, the, about the, the finishing. You know, yeah, about because she how, knows how many chances that they wasted, and if the thing is, if they in the Champions League, this is this is the thing that will sting them. They don't take the chances. The thing for Chelsea though, which is 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 a good thing, is that like most sides would would kill to have a Sam Kerr lead in the line. Yes. But if Sam Kerr's wasting chances like she did on the weekend, and then you've got Panilla Pern- harder there, just and then you've got Beth England on the bench, and then you've got Frank Kirby returning to form, who yeah. again scored, scored the winner. Again.
0: But Ch- Chelsea, like like I say, with, with United, they shouldn't be. It shouldn't be too disappointed about that. And that's why I like Casey Stoney's always learning tweet. Because Chelsea undefeated WSL in WSL since like January 2019. We're talking about wow. a proper team. And you, you could just tell with Emma Hayes and the way she's t- talking, she's, she's she's got bigger fish to fry. And she knows that they have to be ruthless in games like that to continue for once the, the Champions League, they can just slip into a, into like not having to, we're missing, we're still missing chances. I think, if I'm going to be totally honest right now with, with with Sam Kerr, because she went through that spell where she was missing chances, then she got the hat trick. She does need to start being more clinical. Mm.
1: There were a couple she, of th- there were a couple of chances that she had on the weekend, which I thought, you know, you know, you ever heard of a thing in basketball when you kind of like it's a heat check, mm, right? A heat check. Someone's on fire, then they'll just toss up a three from no man's land, and and it's like, oh, that's a heat check, just to see how you know, you know, how they got the hot hand. Mm-hmm some of the finishes that she was, that she missed on the weekend were very much like someone who
0: had already bagged a hat trick. <laughs> it's, it's true. You know, When you, I know that energy. I know that energy. You know, this is why sometimes I don't think it's a bad thing to just take somebody off at that stage. You know what I mean? Because like you've got that energy where like, yeah, I've got a hat trick, man. Let me just, you know, because if I'm Beth England, I'm starting to feel a bit aggrieved. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to be totally honest, I'm not saying, I'll, I'm not sending this message to Beth saying to, her to be aggrieved, but at some stage, if she's gonna miss chances like that and continue, then someone else should get a chance.
1: You've got Sam Kerr leading the line and then you've mm. got Frank Kirby, Panilla Harder, and Erin Cuthbert behind. It's just like yeah. what the hell?
0: Yeah. Like, this is just it's isn't fair. I'd like to see Beth England start. You yeah, know, I mean, maybe maybe before all the Champions League stuff starts, because then you get some some real competition. Cause that yeah. sometimes you need you need to know. Like when, when Anelka, when I was on, when I was playing, when I started I needed to when I started that season ninety eight, I needed to start I need to start scoring because he was breathing down your neck, bro. He was like, he was in your dreams. You know, he was in your dreams when you, when you're sleeping, you wake, it's like, he was like there, you wake up and like, Nelka's like, breathing on out of bed
1: and you just step out and you see Nelka slide Nelka just, yeah, exactly.
0: He's in your dreams and that's what should be happening. I think that when you're going for that kind of Champions League and they need to go deep for me, Chelsea, I think that that's all they need to do now. I think they're, majorly dominant in our league, Mm. WSL, but like for the Champions League, they need, they need that competition. So they need someone like Beth England and Sam Kerr really going at it, both of them scoring. So as then there's competition, because that's the only thing for me to stop. And they've got everything, especially like with Peniel Harder. I think she's going to come even more into her own when she gets into that arena. 100%.
1: 100%. Just a quick shout for Manchester City, who absolutely obliterated Villa. They were six months at half time, I think. Yes. Yes. Very much old school Serie A energy. Yes. Yeah. like, we'll only score one in the second half.
0: Can I just say with, with Arsenal, I'm a bit disappointed with Arsenal? And yeah, it's a poor result, that. Yeah, it's a poor result for me. Man United are coming. City do what they do. We saw what they've done the other day. Chelsea are just a machine. And I think that there's still, I still think that there's the COVID Dubai thing in the air. I don't think that was dealt with properly. I'm not harping on about it, but I feel that that should have been, Joe should have dealt I'm, I'm feeling like leadership in that respect, right? Just quickly on it. He should have said something, like Casey Stoney. Casey Stoney took it on herself. Listen, that's on me. You know, I don't want the players fighting amongst themselves because what I've seen and what I'm hearing from Arsenal players is that they're still vexed about it because mm-hmm. it's still not being dealt with. Like players haven't dealt with. Joe hasn't dealt with it properly for me. I feel that the players need to get this dealt with amongst themselves a Joe something Joe come out either taking it on his chest like our, our Casey Stoney took it and said it's on me don't blame Ryan Ian I told Ryan he could go so it's on me if you want to say something it's on me so as we can get back to doing what we're doing because the way they played and the la- the vibe what they had is not going to be good enough it's not going to be good enough they need to mend it as soon as po- as soon as possible the players need to get together. Like this is what we used to talk about with the, the Tuesday Club. People talk about the Tuesday Club just as oh Arsenal just going on the piss. We sorted stuff out, and that's what mm-hmm. they need to do. Because what's going to happen is if Chelsea, if they came up against Chelsea or City this weekend, they would have got absolutely annihilated. He started two two 21 year olds that she had to take off at, at halftime, and then yeah. you know we had a, a left winger playing in the back. They would have got annihilated because their attitude as well was not good enough. There is too much going on which needs to be sorted out. And that's what's got to happen with Arsenal for me. At the moment. I mean,
1: Joe came out and said that the club will not tolerate the pro, uh, coronavirus protocol breaches. Mm. He came out and said he was he was disappointed, even though technically they didn't break any rules. But he, he was talking about moral compasses and the consequences. And, man, man just should go in hard, man. And he, went, he said that they dealt with it internally. I think also, though, because it's the first game back because of the pers- uh, postponement the weekend before. I mean, was it was nearly a month, right? About a month they've had a break. So I
0: think... That, in respects of the break out, sometimes it can make you feel less mm. invigorated. Yeah, but yeah, at the yeah. same time, the COVID forced five players into self-isolation. Mm. And I think one of them, one of them were playing. So there's players, there's players missing. There's still, mm. for me, there's still fallout from it. I think, the, like I say, I think the players need to sort it out because Joe has got to like, say, right, either you say something, I'm, I'm going to say something to stop protecting now. And I think that, that something needs to be done. He's talking about internally di- no, because I just feel like there's something still happening and I need to sort that out. And that's what I'm saying. I was, I was going to say, we used to sort stuff out. It wasn't just about drinking, choosing cup. It was about people sorting out stuff, things not festering. But do you think, Joe, Joe
1: right, you know, there's teachers at school that wouldn't, you wouldn't really ever hear them shout and they were kind of one of your favourite teachers, but then they'd do the whole, like, I'm not even angry, I'm just disappointed thing, and you'd yeah. be heartbroken.
0: I hope it does work. If the players then come out once they all come back together and, you know, everybody's from self-isolation, they're playing and I'm seeing intensity, and st- then I've seen that something's sorted out and what he's doing is working. But if that doesn't happen and it continues like it is, people, you know, no intensity, you know, the ball's going out of play, no one's running to pick it up to get play going again, that that kind of low energy kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't change, then I'll say, yeah, it's not being dealt with properly because people are still harboring feeling for people mm-hmm. who in their minds, were a little bit out of order.
1: Yeah, I mean, the fallout is still kind of rumbling on, I think.
0: We have to talk about the elephant in the room I'm Squash, yeah. Mesut Erzil. Oh, so long, Mesut. I know. And and you know something, I heard Musa say about the way he left, and you as well, when you were saying, just in the dark, like, okay, yeah. so, okay, bye, bye. That was sad. Mm-hmm. I don't think Arsenal nor Mesut, they'll get a lot of credit out of the way it all panned out for me. You know, Arsenal with the ridiculous contract they gave Mesut, which you can't expect him to turn down. And then Mesut, for me, played, there's a few games, but people will talk about, yeah, but we wanted him to be this and take us to the Champions League and do all this sort of stuff. It didn't quite happen. But I think that it's very easy to go totally negative. And there's a lot of people who have gone totally negative, but. For me, I don't business about what they think. I don't really care. I what I saw of him in certain situations on the football pitch and the way he played. Yes, he wasn't as consistent, but it was great to watch him play. Great to watch his movement. Great to watch his appreciation of other people. And I do certainly, to a certain extent feel like you as a manager, you still have to get the best out of a of a player. Yeah, I agree. you still have to. We've seen a player that was capable of playing in a World Cup and leading, his, helping leading his country to that. You know, playing for a club like Real Madrid consistently.
1: I just wrote a piece for the the ringer about Meza because obviously what the world needs is another Mesut Ozil piece. <laughs> it was really weird how the whole cycle of his Arsenal career was only ever really united at the beginning and the very end. Everyone was super overjoyed when he came. Yeah, yeah. You know, he assisted in his first game, he assisted in his last game and everyone was united when he left in almost like the relief that it was over. Yeah. Whether you love him or not. and I And I happen to be um, on the um, side of I'm very glad Arsenal had him. Mm-hmm. It's a shame that Arsenal never got or didn't manage to, I think, fully get the best out of him consistently.
0: Yeah. That's it, yeah.
1: I think part of that's on the player, and I think part of that's on the club and the management. And um but yeah. I mean in terms of the football stuff, he is like I actually wrote in the piece, not wanting to give too much of it away, but I said like is he the best Arsenal playmaker ever? No, he's not. But he is such a weird player. And by that, I mean that whilst he may not be the best Arsenal playmaker ever, he's done things that I've never seen another Arsenal player do, if I'm being honest. Like the way that he played for Arsenal, the way that he moved, the way that he would make the ridiculous look effortless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I actually wrote that in the piece, which comes down to the body language, where I think that when it looks easy, people assume you're not working hard. Yeah. I just think it was a shame that we spent so much time Whichever side of the fence you're on, this isn't criticizing anyone. Everyone, Arsenal fan or not, spent so much time arguing their case for or against him that I think Mm. we kind of just
0: forgot to enjoy him. I think that the excitement of when he came, uh, him and Sanchez for a while, it proved to me there was a a time where people say, they only passed to each other. You know, like the two best players in the school team, they Mm. only passed to each other. But all that said to me was, if we could have, in and around that time, surrounded him with more players that were in and around the level that he was at, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody that can understand like out Sanchez, and Sanchez, it's no coincidence that they, um, they played as well as they did together. Some of the, some of his best moments for Arsenal is when he was playing with Sanchez.
1: Yeah. And I think also, I just don't think it's, if you you look at how the whole structure of that football team shifted as soon as Arsene Wenger left, Mm. But also, you had Aaron Ramsey leave the following year. Santi Cazorla, you leave yeah. the year before. Sanchez go. It's like when you take, Tripping. you know, yeah. Basically, it's like if you if you stuck Kevin De Bruyne in the Arsenal side, his numbers and, and performances probably wouldn't be as great as they have been for Manchester City. No, no. The thing that I like before we talk about some of the the, the footballing stuff, I think the thing that I've always said about Meza Erza, which I think people don't give footballers enough, um, not credit but consideration, is that. Not every footballer is an alpha. Mm-mm. Some no. of them need alphas around them.
0: Because I think Pogba's not an alpha.
1: No, I've said this about Pogba a million yeah. times. Fernandez I think, is an, I think, alpha. I think an alpha. Yeah, Fernandez is. Yeah. And I think Sanchez was an alpha.
0: Mm.
1: You know, if you look at Ozil, on the actual football pitch, he's not the biggest personality. And I, and I think that helps him. I think that helps the way that he plays football. Mm. And I think that he has struggled being the... Focal point. These guys, yeah. Jose Mourinho was so terrified when Arsenal signed Mesut Ozil <laughs> that, he was, that that Demba Ba deal fell apart as soon as Arsenal signed Mesut Ozil because he was just like, no way. I wrote in the piece that like coaches knew. I think if you ask any coach, if you ask any defender, they'll tell you about Mesut Ozil because mm. there was a, an amazing thing that Uli Hernis, who was the president at the time of um, uh, Bayern Munich, he came out and was slagging Ozil off a couple of years ago and was just I basically remember. like he was irrelevant. And I was like, this is really funny that he was saying that because at the time when uh, Arsenal and Bayern were playing each other in the Champions League, there's a whole section in Pep Confidential, that book that um, Martin Perenau wrote, where, do you remember the second leg at the Allianz? And basically there's a whole thing in there where Pep is talking about drilling Bayern Mm -hmm. in training, setting up fake Arsenal 11. So he's basically taking Bayern squad players and being like, you're Arteta you're Giroud, you do mm-hmm. this, you do this. And the whole game plan was to stop the ball getting to Mesut Ozil. Pep Guardiola dedicated the whole game plan from Bayern Munich to stop Mesut Ozil getting the ball mm-hmm. because he was that, he knew He's how angry. much damage he could. And that's the side that also had Pizzola in it at the time. I think Arteta was there still. This is, I think this is pre-Sanchez. Yeah. But I think this is the thing that like... People don't I don't appreciate. Obviously, a lot of people are going to talk about his legacy and stuff like that. But I wanted to ask you, what was your... What are your favourite footballing memories of Mesut?
0: Well, I, I like, like I said, I watched him. I loved him in and around Sanchez. There was an energy and a a vitality about him. I think one of the best goals was the one against Napoli. Oh, and that's my favourite. Honestly, my favorite Ryan, um, and it's, it's. I'm quite pleased that I've, always, I've kind of been in his camp, been a bit disappointed with some performances, but not to the levels that some ex-Arsenal players have really tore into him. because. When you watch him and be the, the kind of striker I was, if I'm playing with Mezu, I'm probably going to be scoring a lot of goals. But the goal... Oh my God. As an Arsenal fan watching that and where he finished it from and how difficult it was, it, it was... You, you watch that and you think, yeah, that's, that is a top footballer, an elite footballer to take mm. it that calmly. It's the ease in which mm. he just like placed it yeah. into the goal. I mean, I mean, off the top of my head, I cannot remember seeing
1: an elite striker finish like that really
0: no because the, uh, from, from where he was and where he's coming in from the, for a start the, the striker
1: much probably going to
0: be that. he'd be inside the box mm. but at the same time for me right with the way that ball's coming and the pace is coming i probably take a touch because if you look mm. at how much space he's got in front of him for yeah, that goal loads yeah. loads of space i probably take a touch and re- finish that so what I'm trying to let people understand is that when you're as good as he is it doesn't even come into his mind to take a touch because his technical ability is so good that he knows that hang on a minute that's coming up first time because the goalkeepers I can put that in there. and it was perfectly executed it was it's a difficult goal to score it's, it's a difficult a goal difficult to score goal.
1: do you remember the Man United game at home the 3-0 yes yes Um. oh brilliant and that was like when they scored two goals like really quickly do you remember they were like up really early yeah yeah, And it was Just like him, stretch. Sanchez, the back heel, Walcott yeah. getting in on the out. You could tell when Ozil was really on it because he would be the person that changed the pace of the move that would go from being like, right, we've got the ball to like, okay, this is on. So he starts the move in the middle yeah. of the, the, the... Yeah, in the middle pitch. of
0: the yeah. In that season, he had 19 assists in mm. 35 games, man. Mm. Now, I don't care what anyone says, right? Yes, he has Sanchez and this and that. At that time, you could see what he's capable of. But don't you feel that somewhere along the line, somebody with, that, with that football knowledge would say, we need to surround this guy with more quality in and around that level. Because of the way he's playing. He looks to me like somebody gets gets energized off of the other players who are just as good.
1: I never saw Ozil hide to the level that people were suggesting that he hid. There were games where he didn't do much, 100%. Mm. And there were games that he was quite boring, 100%. He's a human being, he's a footballer, it happens. But they're not robots. You had some, sorry, sorry, right, but you had some stinkers. Absolutely. Dennis Bergkamp had some stinkers. Thierry we Henry had some, had some dreadful, dreadful no games. No one around.
0: remembers them now.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think the thing is, like, with the combination of like, Twitter and also like tribalism and mm. people, people following footballers a lot more in the 2010s than they followed clubs to a certain degree. A lot There was a lot more of this Child. singular football fandom mm. as well as club fandom, but it was something with, that social media really rocketed. Ozil was like a superstar that Arsenal signed that was kind of bigger than the club in a way, like in terms of like pure social media followers and stuff like that. No player is bigger than the club. We know well, that. You, in terms of like, Right. And right, like a, a, a seismic arrival. It was yeah. the biggest arrival that the club yeah. had since Dennis Bergkamp.
0: The thing is, you look at Arsenal at the time of Mezu coming. It was ju- was just getting ready with Arsene Wenger's tenure to be finished not long after that, and the turmoil, and everything that's going on, mm. and the football brains that you needed upstairs to understand and appreciate a player like that. And I'm not sitting there saying that Mezu was magnificent in all games. And you were right. The amount of games. I played that were poor games. You nick a goal. People don't remember that. Mm-hmm. Don't remember how badly he played. They remember the goal. But at the same time, yes, he's had a, he's had bad games, but he's not had enough good games where people people will say, yeah, but that, that's not what you bought him for. You bought him for, you know, people talk about, yeah, scored a hat-trick against Ludogoretz. Mm-hmm. But like, what i like to remember about Ludogoretz is the way he scored that goal. Oh my now, God. It was just, you know, people say, yeah, but it was against Ludogoretz, but it Doesn't was... Matter. It's the way he scored the goal. Have you seen many other people score a goal like no, that against Ludogorets? No, not be that. What people will, will do, and it's unfortunate because, like you say, the tribalism, the fan, the one, the fan, the, the um, fans of just one player or one club, and he's shit, and Fernandez is amazing. And this and that. the fact is, is just now that he's gone, unfortunately, with everything that's gone on, and I'd still, like I say, I back the fact that the management, at management level, board level, they didn't realise what they could have done and what he could have maybe gone on to do you have to appreciate that goal for th- that goal in its moment. Don't worry about who it's, who it's scored against yeah. and stuff like that, because we can, if we had to go through a whole list of what he could have done and what he should have done. But now he's gone. The chapter's closed. You know what I mean? I would like, I'd rather remember him for some of the times where I watched him and I thought, wow, I wish I was playing with him. Mm. His first movement and his first thought is to create yeah. and make something happen. That's what Dennis done Create for others. When Ozil shot, you knew it was, like, the right thing to do. It Very was much the right like Zidane, thing, actually. Nothing Zidane else, was nothing. like that.
1: Yeah, Zidane, Zidane was as well. Yeah, Zidane was mm. only like, are you making me shoot right now, kind of thing? But when he mm. did, like, do you remember the goal against Newcastle, the volley? Oh, gosh, he takes yeah. that step back. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I mean, you'll know this, to step back from a looping ball that and to create like that. that power yeah. is yeah. so difficult. It's so difficult because of the... the if you look at it from a physics perspective, all the weight balance is complete. It doesn't make
0: sense. It does make sense. No, and the, the things people won't appreciate because what they will see is that the goalkeeper's kind of like got himself in Noma and he's he's just hit it into a, a goal that there's got no goalkeeper in and around it. But the goalkeeper's in it, it's the way he hit it. Mm. You know, what I mean, people would people will say, "Oh yeah," but look where he is. He's volleyed it from there. No, any I give it to anyone, any any player to say, right, this is a scenario. You're stepping back on your, on your yeah, okay, we'll give you your good foot. We'll give mm-hmm. you a good foot. Step back and volley that in to hit the back of the net. Hit it cleanly.
1: So difficult, I think. And this is the thing. He makes it look so easy. He made it look very easy. That was his biggest flaw, I think, actually. His biggest flaw was actually making really difficult things look too easy.
0: So then people say he's not doing anything. Yeah, yeah, And you know what I want to see I'm going to make sure that I watch games of his just to see him with maybe a bit of time and space in, in Fenerbahce because um, it was his mum his mum said you have to play for Um, I just want to see him do some stuff you know do that stuff yeah I just want to see him do that stuff I think he's going to have a lovely time to best of luck man yeah good luck can I do some flowers one final thing before we get out of here, my friend Wayne Rooney man oh. Wayne Rooney's got to get something wow. he's got to get, get flowers I'm giving him a proper bunch as well you know I'm not buying these from the petrol station <laughs> bro. I'm going to a proper florist to everybody who gets flowers You know what I mean? They're not getting them from petrol station. The fact is, you know, this ain't no last minute like, oh shit, I forgot. I can't understand how much criticism and stick he took as well towards the end for somebody who came on the scene. So we've got to remember playing to a level from a 16-year-old. It's unreal what he was doing. 17, making his debut for England. You're talking about somebody that from that age, the levels he set himself, right from 17 you're thinking there's going to have to be a drop off mm. in consistency and form he never dropped off he went to Man United I remember watching the first of the Champions League game date the hat trick England everything he'd done with England everything he'd done the levels he reached Man United's highest greatest goal scorer England's greatest goal scorer the levels he reached consistently from the age of 16 to the time even when he went to America Remember that goal what he he set up where they broke away. He chased the guy down into his own half, tackled him and hit like a 40, 50 yard pass. The guy headed it in. Pure
1: hero ball, man.
0: Hero stuff. Real superstar stuff. I never, ever saw Rooney drop his levels. And we're talking about somebody who's been doing it from like the age of 16. So like I said, I can never not look at it and think to myself, he was only, he, he was 14 in school. And then now he's 16, scoring against Dave Seaman, and continuing that level, Ryan, throughout his career. It's it's phenomenal what Wayne Rooney has done. Phenomenal.
1: Yeah, from a footballing point of view, I just he was otherworldly for years. I think a lot of people forget how how much hinged on him as well. And I think that that was probably he had so many miles on the clock from such a young age that I think it probably stopped him playing at the highest level a little bit longer. You think? You see see it with people like Torres and Fabregas as well. I think players who Emerge at 16 years old and are integral by 17. Mm. Play a lot of football, a lot of football. Yeah, yeah. And I think you kind of start to see that in the latest stages of their career. You remember like all of the injuries before the international tournaments and remember the Metatarsal, Casey, metatarsal. Yeah, getting rushed back sooner than, than he should. Yeah. Like that's a lot. That's a lot.
0: Can I say, I'm going to throw a real hot take out there in Musa Speak. If he doesn't get injured in 2004 with a metatarsal, we're winning the Bureaus, bro. We're winning the Euros. I'm giving that one to really... You know the best thing about that? Well, I can't prove it wrong. Prove I'm, it telling wrong. wrong. I'm telling you, bro. I'm telling you that the wave of, of um, the wave of euphoria on what the guy was doing, I mean, watching the... I couldn't have been more happy for somebody scoring, like when he went through and scored the first goal against Croatia, if it was one of my own sons. I was so happy to see someone emerge. It was like, he emerged on the scene like how, Michael Owen emerged on the scene, yeah, yeah. he went into, the, he went into that, that euros with a lot of pressure for for, for the age he was,
1: mm.
0: and he was delivering and you know again, I, I I put it out there because maybe that was my dream. He, he made me feel like we've now finally got that player to make the difference like we had with Gaza in the 1990. We've got that player to make the difference. To take us over the line and when you consider that it was Greece that won in the end with the way we were playing I think we, we win the 2004 Euros if Wayne Rooney stays fit wow that's a nuclear take that's a nuclear take man I'm really you know what you know what I could just imagine Musa just saying wow Moussa somewhere has just gone
1: there's a disturbance in the force <laughs> something's happened I don't know what but something's off
0: something's just off that's the take I want oh, Musa. When I speak to him, I'm going to get him in the group. I'm going to say, "Musa, throw one out there. When you listen, let me know what you think. But I'm, I'm, I'm standing by that, Ryan. Standing by that. I mean, he
1: was that important for England. I think a lot of people, again, like, I think it's really easy to, to forget a lot, just how integral he was to a number of those England teams and to the United teams that he was in. Um, Why did he
0: get so disliked? Was it because he went to United? Was it because he was a scouser, went to United, scored against Liverpool, scored against Everton? You know, the hatred that people have for Man United just because of the success. You know, we're talking about somebody who 25.6 million they paid for him. We're talking about a teenager and then for him to go to Man United, like I say, break the record, go back, score against Everton, score against Liverpool, win the titles, win the Champions League, win everything that you're meant to do, become the record goal scorer for them, you know. It just come on where did the hatred for him come from that's and right. why I think, lot,
1: I think a lot of the stuff may be off the pitch and maybe just the lack of respect that he had on it for some people which is what you kind of want in your own play he's one of those players Wayne Rudy who I think um, it's like if he plays for your club you love him if Actually, plays for anyone else you hate him and I yeah. think there's just there were just some players like that do you know what I just felt there was a, there's an amazing what if in there mm-hmm. that Everton rejected a 20 million pound bid for him from Newcastle oh. before Man United signed him that's a big what if Come
0: on, that is amazing! What if you know what Moose would say? What?
1: We straight Champions League. <laughs> That's <laughs> not happening. Well, but you know like- what? He would have played. He with Alan Shearer though. That would have been interesting. Rooney and would've Shearer front of- for Newcastle. Yeah, but what anyway, year was that? Two thousand four. Oh, it's too late, man. You want
0: someone? No, he's saying he's
1: saying, saying, saying Big Al was washed.
0: It wasn't. It wasn't. It, Shearer's never <laughs> washed. because you get the ball in there. He's gonna probably throw. He's gonna get on it. But, you got know, the arms going in the air at some point. Yeah, the arms going in the air. But for him to get to that United side when they got to, because can we just before we go, we can, we can't not mention him and Ronaldo.
1: I'm not gonna lie. As an Arsenal fan at the time, I hated that Man United time side because it was just yeah, like,
0: I was oh, that's just was was like, awesome.
1: there's no way, there's no way you can they get it back.
0: back. They brought it back. They 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 got close to. What Man United are about with them three? Because how many yeah. how many Premier Leagues has he won? Is it? Let's read it out.
1: So he won five Premier Leagues, one FA Cup, three League Cups, four Community Shields, one Champions League, Europa League, and a did, World it. It. Cup.
0: Wayne Rooney can sit down and smoke his pipe and and say to people, "Yeah, sixteen. Yeah, um, I was. Yeah, I remember I went. I, I went home after the." After scoring against Arsenal, and just add some Maltesers and a ginger beer.
1: <laughs> On that note, I might go and get a, some Maltesers and a cup of
0: tea. Nice one, man. You know what, right? Thanks a lot, man. You know something that you know what that almost felt like therapy. I felt, I felt like it was therapy. <laughs> Hopefully, I made sense in that to everybody listening. Thank you. Thanks again for listening, right? Thanks a lot, man. I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, definitely, man. Thanks for having Be me. Send me a tune bro. Send me something right. Send me a tune. We haven't well, sent it. Have a tune. I know yeah. For... Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. Okay, my friend. Thanks to Ryan Hunt. Thanks Ryan. Thanks for joining me again. I just want to say to everybody hopefully in this time everybody's staying safe. You know, trying to find some form of positivity and just uh, just keep going, man. Let's keep let's keep pushing on, man. Let's keep moving forward. Have a good week, man.